Okay, so um, though the, the title is a bit intriguing, uh, Facing Failure Without Fear, I'm not going to attempt just yet to, explain, to try to explain what it really means. But hopefully uh, we'll get to that. And uh, if I somehow forget to get back to it, you can feel free to help me out. Hopefully we'll be able to get back to it or maybe it'll be obvious. Um, I wanted to sort of continue where we left off uh, or something that we touched on last week because something that I saw in the, that's the piece of Ravolbi that was sent out that I didn't really fully take note of initially and also the letter of Whitner has a uh, very strong connection. We were talking about some, the uh, phenomenon of um, people, for the most part, not uh, finding any significant satisfaction or giving significant cheshivas to a small accomplishment, really even real successes, certainly uh, daily effort that we put in, in uh, many life challenges. And uh, suggested that uh, a significant contributing factor is that what we see as our goal is to become at the end someday, somehow, somewhere, a person of purity, a person of true goodness and greatness. And that's our goal to become a truly good person in the all encompassing way. And everything along the way is just uh, preparation for that or trying to get there until we get there. We don't really feel that we have uh, have that we have anything or that we have touched uh, anything of any really significant value. Then I discovered that um, in uh, Rav Hutner, and I think in an even stronger way in Avolbi, this concept is active even at a very early stage. Um, Putner is um, addressing the uh, great problem that we have, the great uh, challenge that we have of um, being impacted by, we read the biographies of the great people and hear the stories of their greatness. All that's shown to us is the final product of the sum total of all their efforts when they reach the truly exalted, uh, almost uh, angelic state, <laughs> like he's using Havitz Chaim as the marshal, his, uh, his shlemus and his uh, purity of speech. But he says, we, we aren't shown, it's not included in the story, all the struggles, all the battles, all the even failures that had to have taken place along the way. And what's the result of that? Says so the result of that is that we find ourselves engaged in very powerful struggles with very powerful forces of the Eight Sahara at work at us. We think about ourselves as, oh, I'm not a person who is planted in the house of Hashem. If I have such powerful 
experience of having to try to fight the Sahara, especially if there are many times that I'm not successful. So I feel I have no connection to these great people. That means that the image of uh, the greatest people is somehow trickling down, even at my starting stage, to feel that if I'm somebody who is so unlike the Chavetz Chaim, so unlike these greatest tzaddikim, then I'm like, uh, I'm not in the house of Hashem. I'm, I'm out of the group. I'm not a real Ben Taylor. I'm, 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 I'm out. Because look, look, look how um, they, these people, they weren't struggling. They weren't fighting. They weren't battling. So he's describing it that this picture has an impact on us to cause ourselves to feel unworthy if we have to struggle and we are faced with Nisiyonis. Which is an amazing concept because we would think that okay, I can't expect that I'm going to be like the Chavetz Chaim. It's a wonderful thing that there was such a person. I should aspire to that. I should try to be inspired by that. But that that should have an impact on my psyche to say I'm struggling. I'm, I'm, I'm battling. I'm, I'm I'm being attacked. No, I'm not. I'm not a really uh, real bentayra. I'm not in the house of Hashem. I'm out. That is, that's an amazing idea. Um, in, in a similar vein, Rav Volbi talks about how when a person finds himself under the attack of the Sahara, it's shattering to his self-concept. Because he envisions himself, or at least you know, after a while, it's possible to happen that a person envisions himself as an accomplished bentayra, a chashiva person, a balmail of some sort. He feels he's uh, been involved in the good, the spiritual pursuits for some time, and uh, things like this shouldn't be happening to me. Rabbi struggles. But, Can I, yes. Can I ask you a question just for one second? On the first step that the Hunter said about reading about the Gedolim stories and things like that. Sure. I, I had I had a, always had a Hakira personally. Is it that the books don't pay, portray their Nisionos, meaning that in Nisayon I have, they don't portray it, but really they had a similar Nisayon that I had, like some, let, let me call it for, quote, unquote, a superficial type Nisayon? Or is it that Avada there beyond the type of Nisayot I have, of uh, whatever, whatever. But they also had the same struggle. Legabe, they're Amelis and learning. Or Legabe, they're super Midos. Is, is, is Ravonor saying that just the idea of struggle wasn't presented properly? Or, or, or like, is, is it really true that they had the same Nisayot I had? Or, or in, their, in their levels and in their das and in their chachma, they also had craziness, yo, said, I might not relate to, because I might think that's a joke, and sorry, if I was on that level, it'd be easy. But Avada, it's an aside for them as well. Um, that's a good question. I don't think we could know. So it's not really Kadai or to like for Putner or anybody to able to presume that they know the exact nature of uh, the struggle of these great people. I think the main point is that the the picture that's painted 
the, the, the notion that we get is who is a holy person, a person who is sitting, like he says there, with, with peace and tranquility on, in, on a, in grass of, of beauty and holiness and bliss and, you know, like the Disney version, you know, just gliding on the wings of happiness and bliss ever after. And that's a holy person. That's a tzaddik. Tzaddik is living in a state of just a menucha and then simcha and nachas. And it's probably not accurate that is that that ever is the state. Well, the Chol of does talk about at some point the Eitzahara somehow losing its grip on the person we don't have to get involved with that. So it's questionable whether that ever happens because it has to constantly be working and there constantly be building new challenges. But at the very least, that picture is fundamentally erroneous because to reach any substantial level, a person has to put in real concerted effort for there to be something valuable of whatever the tzaddik achieved that they should be respected as a tzaddik and considered um, by, by anyone, certainly and by us as well, through the eyes of the truth, of the Torah, to be a tzaddik of significance, that has to be their accomplishment. It has to be that they had to work hard to get there. Working hard means that there were challenges. So we can grant Rav Wittner if there's challenges, there were failures. It's not important to like go to go to the mat on how many times the Chavitz Chaim did speak Lashnar in his life and try to, you know, make a calculation. That's, that's irrelevant. The point is that they didn't come out into the world in a state of tzitkis and just stay that way and just go higher and higher and higher. Anything that's valuable they achieved had to have been from their own having to work very hard at it. So then essentially, that is the nature of somebody who works very hard, who has to struggle, who it's not coming naturally for him, not coming easily to him. Whatever is his true accomplishment is in the place where he has to work hard for it. So then we can also then be accepting of our own needs to work hard. We are with them. We're in this same club. The tzaddik has finished the job. We're maybe at an earlier stage, and maybe the tzaddik is also not finished. But even if at some point he gets to a point where he has broken through and something that was a big struggle before is no longer a great struggle. Maybe he reaches a point where now he has a real shlita in that area. That's great. Moshe said about himself that he was not naturally such a, a person who's able to not come to anger. He was by nature very much inclined towards anger and he worked very hard to overcome it. Maybe he reached a point where now it became his nature like such a thing as Tikkun Amidus. And Sulashem describes the cast is not as oyer altogether anymore. That's from a lot of work. If it, if it would be worth anything, it's only because it comes through the person's hard work. So if I'm in a state of, of struggling and battling and having to put in hard work, I am with the great people. But our picture is there's some kind of idyllic existence that they have. And therefore, if I am in a very different kind of state, then I am not with the truly good and great people. 
and that like takes me out of bichlal being in the in the company of the truly sincere good people. I think all the truly sincere good people are probably like the tzaddikim, that they are just so blessed, naturally wonderful, beautiful nature, and who knows what they're striving for to go higher and higher, you know. But to me, I have all these struggles, issues, problems, ups, downs. My life is a mess. I'm not with them. I'm, I'm out of the group. Does that respond to your question? You still answer my question? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought you finished like five minutes ago. Okay, so five minutes ago, was there anything that was helpful? Yeah. The, or does it matter? Yeah, you say that Rav point wasn't the details of the, the specific details of the of the growth. Uh, wasn't the specific nationals of the individual. It was the there's the temperament and the society type of view of how they live, which is which is was a false sense of what a tzaddik really is. That's how I understood your answer. Right. Okay. okay. I didn't think but, you but, but, five minutes ago, still, but, but I'm, I'm sorry. What's what's significant? What's what's important is that that he's claiming that has an impact on us to view ourselves as unworthy and out of the group of the good, sincere people if we are struggling. And Ravolbi takes oh, it to an even further extent. Ravolbi says, I have a, a concept of myself of being a person of chashivus, of sincerity, of purity. And then when the Torah attacks me in some kind of major way, which could happen at some stage of life that didn't take place before, or in a new kind of a way, or somehow I was able to forget about it and it comes back, or there are new challenges, and it's very difficult for me. My sense of myself, my whole self-concept can be shattered. I'm thinking to myself, I'm a Balmaila. All of a sudden, I'm faced with major struggles, failures. That's uh, the attack, being attacked by the Eitzahara. That's not a Hasha person, that's not a Balmaila. So it's um, very, very critical that um, we should be aware of, of this challenge, <laughs> that we are prone to these incorrect concepts. And the mere fact that we just heard about it from Rav Hutner and from Rav Volbi is not going to be sufficient to totally dispel that. It's not going to be sufficient just that we hear that a person has a tendency to have a certain imaginary sense of himself and then seeing that he has struggles, it will be not devastating, but powerfully damaging, upsetting, being upheaval. And therefore, you should adjust and recognize the truth that this is the way to grow, and this has to be that way, and this is all part of Hashem's plan. We have to be aware, first and foremost, that we have this natural tendency. That's, this is an, a struggle in its own right. This itself is a, is a unique struggle, that we have the, 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 in, the innate tendency to feel 
that who is a good person, who is a chasher person, a person who is not struggling, who is not being attacked by the Sahara in a whole variety of ways. So, and that itself is a unique kind of a struggle. So, perhaps like the icker thing that we could gain for ourselves is to realize that any particular mindset or feeling that we are experiencing that's making our functioning in the spiritual realm more difficult, including one where we had a certain perception of what a good person is or what we ourselves are, and that is being undermined or shaken or confused. That itself is a designed struggle by Hashem. That's also one of the unique and very important challenges that we are created with. That tendency to feel the unwarranted shame and guilt. That is also something that Hashem designed for us to have to struggle with. So wherever we'll find ourselves caught with a mindset, we should be able to take the step back and say, oh, this too is the Sahara. This also is another aspect of Hester, of Hashem giving us the challenge to re- return to Rav Hutner, return to Rav Volbi, return to all the sources that we have available to us and to try to re-examine, to try to be aware. I had within me this kind of a mindset that wasn't really correct. And that was all part of what Hashem wanted me to have to struggle with, to have to readjust that mindset, to come back to, well, not back, to come maybe for the first time to a true understanding of what a Torah personality is. And that I should have no less respect for myself over the fact that I have major challenges, major struggles, major attack from the Sahara. My innate self-concept is not diminished, should not be diminished. It should be strong. It should be solid. It should be in the way that Hashem views every Jew and me included. Infinite belovedness. And then giving me all these good challenges to have to struggle with as the means of achieving my purpose. But the, uh, the first step is to be aware that we are prone to these misconceptions. And even once we hear about it, they can still creep up again and come back to, uh, to haunt us. And we have to constantly be ready to re-remind ourselves. I've already talked about um, a person's self, like I would speak to another person. It's, it's quite fascinating, the last paragraph. It looks clearly that he's talking about how Chaim is known to have done speaking to himself. So he could say, I feel unworthy. I feel, how can I be a mentor if I'm struggling with this struggle? And say to myself, but you know that's not right. That's not what the Torah says. You know the Torah designed a person to have struggles. All these struggles are Hashem's creation. This is Hashem's design, it's Hashem's plan, it's Hashem's creation within me, 
inside and out to give me that which I need to struggle with, to grow from. Oh, oh yeah, Tata. I think it's pretty safe to say that um, there could be a tendency in the person in and of itself to feel not worthy, feel not good about oneself, and try to sort of compensate for it, for this, with the imaginary mindset of being somebody chashev. And it's all being utilized as a way of covering for or compensating for some very deeply grained, not good feeling. So we need to try to be aware and be striving for truth in our understanding of ourselves according to Hashem's design. Any thoughts so far? Yeah, can I share a personal reaction? By all means, please do. Um, so just the way that it, I, I didn't like really read these marmacomos inside, but just I think that um, you could you could feel like they're they're just making you feel better, mm -hmm. like they're coddling you. Like they're giving yes, you, yes, excellent. You know, like excellent, yes. Like they're not, they're not. You're not really in the same category. It's just since you're going to feel bad, and that's going to be bad for your, your, you know, about the Hashem. So they're like, they're like, oh, it's okay, yeah. you know, like keep right. on going. Everyone has a hard time. They're like, you know, right, right. That's that. I think that that's all included in the. This, this first point that those very strongly ingrained concepts are not going to go away easily. And we will find ways how to sort of deflect what would seem to be a, a message that we would otherwise would respect very much, that it should not be able to unseat our very strongly and long ingrained concepts. Whether they were necessarily, you know, figured out initially, rationally or not. Once they get sort of seeped in, it's very hard to let go of them. You have to almost like relish new discovery to be open to it. The natural tendency of a person is trying to hang on to what he knows, what he's familiar with. So you're right, you're very correct that many people react to it as like, okay, they're just trying to help you feel better. They're, 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 they're very kind and considerate and compassionate and they want to help me feel better. So they tell me these, these nice encouraging things. But if you, read, if you see the way I've heard is writing with such a, like almost viciousness, <laughs> The tipshim, they say that despite the fact that the tzaddik will fall, he will still rise up. But the hachamim know that it's only through that. So again, you know, he's going very extreme. So we don't know if we can be totally comfortable with it. And that's okay too. We have to be honest with ourselves. But we know that we have ample, strong, solid basis. For the, for the truth of the concepts of the Torah. Adam Arishan called himself Adam. 
because he was able to recognize the chilek minu and how at risk he is to go falling down if he will veer off, as he did and as happened. He was able to see that from the very outset and gave himself a name that manifested his ability to see that. So in all his greatness, he's still able to see, yes, he has the powerful Adama power within him that could send him tumbling down. So this is the true combination of a person. He has innate greatness. He has the neshama that is of the highest, greatest innate purity, but what is the Avodis Hashem meant to be? Has to be with choice, with Amelus, with Yegiya. Is there anything in a person's experience that Hashem did not design? Everything that's in our life experience is designed precisely, meticulously, with utmost precision, of course, with divine precision. It's being uh, placed there for us on a continuous basis. So Hashem is giving us all our life conditions for the sake of the purpose that He hopes for us to achieve. And we have to be accepting the fact that what we can ascertain intellectually could be very much at odds with what we feel or what we're used to thinking, what we feel emotionally. And one of the unique challenges is to be able to bear that conflict. That I could, if, I, if, I, if I'm willing to be open and honest, I could learn and I could see. And I could at the same time sense that I don't feel that. And that is uncomfortable. That's also a challenge. That's also a unique kind of a difficulty that we have to be willing to bear for the sake of real growth. Be able to learn and be open and search for truth and then discover that that wasn't how I was seeing it or feeling about it. And I'm resisting it. And I'm saying about it that, oh, it's just to make me feel good. That's all, that's all within me. So, I don't know, can we have this kind of a, like self-awareness? I hope so. I think it's worth trying. Trying to be observing our thoughts. Trying to be aware of how we're thinking, how we're feeling to be able to see, does this align with my true values? Does this align with what I understand with my intellect to be true? Oh, not yet. Okay, how can I get there? To, to, to review, to intensify, to deepen our understanding. Can I share a different reaction? Yes, please. So what, what about a little differently? It's people that for someone who would internalize this message deeply, that yes, you know, life is not about idyllic, you know, sitkos by the, by the water, and it's about challenges, but at the same time, it's about overcoming your challenges at a certain point, at a certain, you know, pace, there's going to be growth. It's, even if Hunter says it's not, 
that it's 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 not despite the seven times falling, but it's because of the seven times falling, right? Mm-hmm. But there has to be some sort of process where the person is growing through these challenges. But a person can, in a sense, you could just be like, you know, kicking the can down the road, like, fine, so I'm not failing in that type of idyllic type of sitkas, but I'm failing in this type of, you know, growth. I'm failing because I just go from failure to failure. Um, I go keep declining. I'm not growing. So it's just a different playing field where I'm failing. Hold on a second. Hey, Shraggy, Shraggy, you there? Hi. Yeah, I'm right here. Just because he left for a second, I'm just going to mention one thing. Oh, Rebbe? Yes, go ahead, please. Can I just say one line to Shraggy's thing? Yes, please do. I just want to say something someone taught me. Sorry, my phone is funny. Give me a second. Winston Churchill said that success is going from... No, we're not hearing you now. Someone told me that because you mentioned back up from failure. We, to failure. we missed to throw uh, that in, and then Rebbe has we, better than we missed. We missed the line from Winston Churchill. It got uh, fuzzy. Oh, one second. Let me fix my audio for a second. I have to mute two yeah. things. Hold on. Yeah, please do that. Yeah. I'll repeat. Churchill, and then we will have much better things to say. But while Rebbe was gone, I was bringing up uh, the Holy Winston. It's not working. Uh, the Chacham. I call him a Chacham. Can you hear me? Uh, we could try. Uh, one more second. Can you hear me now or not? No, can anyone before... hear me? I'm saying... If you, anyone can hear me, just put a thumbs up. Otherwise, don't. Anybody hear me? One, two, three, four, five, four. Done. <laughs> Okay, we don't hear you now. No. Okay. Um, Simcha, you got to mute yourself. Okay. Um, well, last week, we touched on the uh, Art Safan that talks about um, the cheshivas of a person even slowing down his rate of descent. How it's possible in a Misa that appears to us, or even to the Malachim, to be Kulo Ra, that the Ebishter can identify within it some aspect that's tight. Could have done worse. Could have fallen down faster. In other words, we have to be sort of accepting that we cannot really correctly judge. We don't know the entirety, certainly, of our challenge, of our ability, and even of our reaction. We can't notice, uh, can't, can't even identify completely what went into reaction, how, how long it may have taken us to succumb. All the most refined aspects of our experience that only Hashem can identify. So we should sort of be willing to like give up on that self-assessment. And really it's all connected because 
why do we engage in that self-assessment? The reason why we're engaging in that self-assessment and that measurement is because we are needing to be proving to ourselves that we are good enough through our performance or to avoid the negative condemning evaluation of ourselves based on our failures. So we're still living with a mindset of judgment and evaluation and placing our self-worth contingent, making it dependent upon our performance, positive or negative. But if our view could be shifted in a, in a real way of a starting point of our self-worth is not dependent on any action. Our innate self-worth is untouchable. Shem's creation is, is, is of infinite value. Of course, we have power to damage it. We have a opportunity to uplift it, enhance it, or to give good to it, to achieve Hashem's plan. But innately, we are, we are complete. So, Rabbi, Rabbi. One second, one second. Then, we won't need our good performance as a means of proving to ourselves that we are okay. We won't need our success in any area of life to give ourselves the basic sense of self-worth. Not in the spiritual world and not in any other world. Then we'll be able to approach the spiritual challenges for what they truly are. Opportunities for us to overcome the negative pull towards the coming closer to Hashem. Can we know exactly what we can do right now? Negro talks about going step by step. We cannot identify precisely what we, what we can do right now. But if we are sincere, if we're trying, so we can, we can try to choose the best good that we can in the state that we are in. And we should value that because it has value because Hashem values it. <clears throat> then we won't engage in the global assessment of am I succeeding or failing? We won't presume to be able to know how Hashem is looking at us. We'll be able to leave that to Hashem and say, how can I take one step in a good direction to come closer to Hashem, to come closer to the truth right now and, and, and focus on that and appreciate that and celebrate that. That's a very nice idea, but isn't that, that's not what Rav Hunter is trying to say, right? Um, Rav I mean, he is trying to say we're evaluating our productivity, but he's just changing how we view it. Well, well he's, he's starting with a, with a starting point of a full, complete confidence that through the struggling, the person will emerge victorious. He may lose battles, but he'll win the war. He's confident, he has absolute confidence that this Talmud will eventually make good progress even in those areas of extreme struggle that he is facing right now. And he will emerge, and he has already, even in this state where he's feeling very down on himself, he is engaged in a lot of good activities, a lot of good accomplishments that he himself is not recognizing, is not giving himself credit for, is not in touch with, 
he's seeing himself as having lost all sincerity and everyone is saying, I see on you actions, experiences, where you are experiencing in a very good way your spiritual accomplishment. And he's confident that he will be successful. But if you're dealing with somebody who's not receptive to that, they, they cannot um, accept or receive yet such a, such, such a message that you certainly will be successful. We don't have that kind of a, you know, sort of breadth of scope and trust that we can be trusted by others that I can say I'm certain that you will be successful. We haven't had enough life experience. We can't say yes. I've seen hundreds of people in the same situation as you're in and they've all come through successfully and you will too. So then we may not be able to take that precise approach. He's talking about achieving greatness. Yeah, greatness. Striving for greatness. We may not Are you be available in all situations. It may be, may be more prudent to focus on every single aspect that is available to us. Not to minimize anything. Like the Torah values everything. We should give it the value that Torah gives it and be happy with that and not need to have a global assessment. Are you able to, to answer Shragi's question a little differently? Go right ahead. By, by saying that maybe, there's, maybe the fact that a person feels accountable for his failures in a certain perspective could be very motivating if, if he if he knows like like the rambam you quoted last week that hashem gives you more kokos when you mess up so hashem really wants you to change he's looking for you to change he's he's helping you and and what and me being accountable for my failures makes me feel important that hashem's gonna take me to task it it, it, it makes a difference and knowing the fact that i could change by figuring out what i'm doing wrong will bring me to a higher level, like why, why would it be inappropriate to feel that I'm the one who caused myself to fail or to even focus it on that in a way that could be very empowering, like just like a person training to become, to become an athlete. He, he would focus on what he's doing wrong to be able to get better. Because I'm assuming, I'm assuming that we're dealing with situations that it could be overwhelmingly, almost overwhelmingly difficult misyonos. Where a person doesn't see the possibility in himself at the point that he's at of actually overcoming it. Certainly not in the immediate present. So just to hold out the hope that will someday you'll be successful uh, may not be adequate. It may, may not be giving him value in what he's trying to accomplish right now. That's why I think it's, it's very important. It's ideal, it's most preferred that he's able, to, he's able to identify something in his current situation where there also could be some, something positive, something less, some lessening of the negative, some step, step in the right direction like the Grot talks about. 
a step. He has to be going step by step. How, what counts for a step? The most minute, the most infinitesimal uh, uh, particle of Ruchnius that a Malach cannot even see. B'nei Kairach, they had within their hearts some movement of tshuva that they're already, already going down into Gehenim and they couldn't even express it. They couldn't even verbalize it. It wasn't even a, even a conscious thought, the, 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 the art suffer writes. There was just some feeling in the heart, Rochash Libi Dvar Toiv, that they wish to saw that already and lifted them up. So, yeah, but why is that in steel? Why can a person feel like try to even in the current situation find even the small things that Hashem views as big successes, but at the same time realize that focusing on the, the things that I'm struggling with and understanding that I'm accountable for my failures, why can't that be extremely motivating to a person? Um, because it's not Kedai for us to try to calculate to exactly what degree um, we're accountable. It, it doesn't have to be now, exactly. Now course, why can't it just I be? Don't, I, don't wanna, I don't want to get involved in the whole the discussion about and all the Rebbetzadik, the Nisyanis that a person can't. It's, that, that's, it's, it's not Kedai because from the person's perspective, from his view, it could be that he doesn't see a way how to be significantly successful yet. So the, the first step is to get away from the wrong mindset. And it's not Kedai to try to do too much at one time. If you're, if you're asking why theoretically isn't it possible to have a whole host of good calculations, <laughs> it is theoretically possible, but it's not the mice are possible. If you want to give somebody hope, meaning that there's something valuable in what's transpiring in their life. So um, you can't play both sides of, of, of the fence. It's a very important thing to be aware of in general that in order for a message to be successful, um, it's, you have to be very cautious about making it into a mixed message. There could be opposing messages that are both true and valuable and necessary, um, and that somehow could be combined together in some kind of complex way. But in many life situations, um, the listener is not capable of making that combination yet. And what happens is that one message is gonna knock out the other one. So we have to be able to identify what is the message that I need to hear or that somebody that I'm trying to help needs to hear right now. What is the message they could work with? Basher Hushom. Does Rebbe think like in regular life situations, putting aside of all this Hashem, that what actually is most motivating for a person is to know that they're failing not so much, it's like a slowing down of your read though, or in life situations, this, someone is much more motivated by putting goals for themselves and when they fail, they, they, they could feel bad, but at the same time, the feeling bad is motivating. Like That's how it just seems to be most successful in daily living besides their both of Okay, once again, the, the question comes back. We'll keep on coming back to this.
what is the truth al Taira, and what is our nature? Um, can we find a way to align ourselves with the truth al Taira that that should be able to motivate us? Of course, there's no denying that we are very used to being motivated by goals, tangible goals, things that we could, you know, set up as a goal and strive for and achieve and feel successful. But essentially, we have to be aware of what is at the root of that. If essentially, I'm striving to be successful, to feel successful, to convince myself that I that I am a success as opposed to being a failure, that I can be a winner as opposed to being a loser. So then essentially, I'm not changing my basic concepts. So I'm still not aligning myself with the truth of the Torah, even though I may be doing a lot of good things very successfully. So in order to ever achieve aligning myself with the truth of the Torah, I have to sometimes sacrifice what is a more powerful, effective, immediate motivation for a more subtle one that is the more truthful one. If I'll pee the emes of the Torah, that one tiny step that a person takes is chashiv. That is true al Torah. Then to me to be aligned with the Torah, I should not overlook that. I should not deny that. I should not disrespect that. And I should not presume that if I'll give chashivas to that, I won't have chashivas for a longer range goal. And I'll never be able to strive for a longer range goal. So I should trust that the, that the truth of the Torah can be successful. I'm afraid there's a widespread uh, mindset that, uh, that growth has to come from being dissatisfied with oneself. I have to be dissatisfied with myself in order to want to change. So the starting point of all growth has to be a very deep-rooted sense of, of dissatisfaction with myself. And of course, that's a fundamentally flawed, mistaken, and uh, who knows what. You know, Jim's very, Jim, very damaging because <laughs> then all the growth will only be for the. Go ahead. I said Jim's has already figured this out better than we have because they put mirrors in Jim's slanted downwards to make you look thinner than you really are. When you would think, because the Jim's are really just trying to maximize attendance at the gym. Mm-hmm. So you would think that the Jim's okay. are mirrors slanted the other way to make you look fatter than you really are. So you keep coming back. Right. But they, but they put them thinner so you feel good. And they know that when you feel good, you'll keep coming back more. <laughs> That's right. So every little bit of success is going to motivate me to continue in that path. But just getting back to this, this, this point. As you could tell, as you could tell, just by looking, I frequent gyms. Yes. Isaac, uh, I, I have a uh, question. Now, you can hear me. Isaac, can you hear me? Where is the mirror for spirituality? Yes, Simcha, go ahead. We hear you now. Isaac, can you hear me? I can hear you. Amazing. Just one thing on the gym. I have to differ with one thing. I don't think the gyms are trying to maximize attendance. I think most gyms are trying to maximize money, and they just have to get you there enough that you keep paying the bill. And that yeah. might 
changed a little with your liver, <laughs> but 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 most but most gyms most gyms most gyms most gyms run programs to maximize attendance. I, my understanding is that they know that that the the yes they do. No, they don't want to max. If they maximize attendance, then they won't be able to get full membership and make money. Maximize. Are they there? They make money. Come on, really? Most gyms. Are they most, there? The, why does this matter exactly? There's I'm, a difference I'm between. There's a difference between. There's a difference between maximum about the gyms. There's a difference I, I, between I'm, maximum I'm, attendance and maximizing gym. attendance. They want to maximize attendance to the extent that each person will come the maximum amount that they will come. So a very, a very common, a very, a very common program that gyms will run. Is what that do they want? Up, attendance or money? One question, Isaac, attendance or money? What do they want? Who controls the mute button? Obviously they want money. Every business wants money. Every right. business just wants money. We know that. What I'm right. saying is that gyms do try to maximize your attendance in order to achieve a higher, greater revenue. Because most gyms run programs that if you come X amount of times per week at X amount of consecutive weeks, you'll get free, you'll get free months. They perfect it. The, the, the best gyms perfect it to the point that all they need is your money at the end of the day. True or not true, Isaac? Every well, business does need your money. Every business right. in the world ever. Generally, generally speaking, right, right. There's Every some business. guys who are altruistic, but generally most of them will be businesses. Right, whatever. So we're, so we're agreed it's on money, right? Simcha? Yeah. You forgive me. I'm not able to follow the conversation. Could you hold this till after the Chabur and then continue it with Isaac? It's fine with me and I respect what you're requesting. Okay, thank you so much. Just, just to come back, but I just wanted to finish up the last point. Um, I was, I was just um, pointing out that many people are of the mindset that growth can only come from being dissatisfied with yourself, and that's really um, the opposite. Because if a person is feeling dissatisfied with himself and engaging in activities to relieve that feeling of dissatisfaction and enabling himself to feel okay with himself, he's really doing everything only for an ulterior purpose of trying to alleviate the bad feeling that he has about himself, that he shouldn't have to have this feeling of dissatisfaction. But he's not engaging in the, in the good spiritual activity for its own good sake, for its own beauty, for its own goodness, for its own value. So it's, it's undermined. And also it's plain simply not true, as we can understand that a person does make some contact with something that is good, it will be motivating to try to engage in it and experience it again to the degree that it's able to be motivated. So it may not be super powerful motivation that comes from feeling not good about myself, but it will be the amount of motivation that is the, the amount that's supposed to be functional in my being <laughs> according to the truth of the Torah. And that's fine. We don't have to, you know, make the Torah better than it really is. We don't have to utilize external methods. And of course, they really don't work. But of course, they do exist in a person, these challenges. There is no shortage of feeling dissatisfaction with myself. So I need to first be accepting of that. Okay, I have this feeling. I have this challenge. That has to be worked on individually. And try to overcome that. Try to lessen that. Try to adjust that best I can with the truth of the Torah while at the same time engaging in the good spiritual activity including overcoming the challenges that come my way as the means of connecting with Hashem the always opposite the the morale says the removal of arise they're going away from arise that's Kedusha Kedusha is going away from Gashmi the peak 
example of Gashmi is the pull to Arias. That's the strongest Indian Gashmi in a person. Going away from that, that is the meat of Kedusha. Of course, sometimes it can be with a very great struggle. struggle. Sometimes it can be with less of a struggle. Just removing myself from that most powerful type of Arias is the Midas HaKedusha. We think Midas HaKedusha, I have to strive years and years, decades and a whole lifetime to get to Kedusha to be told divorced from Gashmi. I need to be totally divorced. Every, every removal, every stepping away from it is a, is a degree of a Kenyan of that good Ruchni Indian, great Ruchni Indian. So I think um, that's one basic idea. Just to add one more thought into the, into the mix, in terms of the whole nature of the struggle, it's really very much interdependent with the basic self-concept. Because why is there such a strong pull to the things that help me feel better to escape? It's largely because of a person not feeling good about himself and needing that escape, needing to find something that will be of a fantasy nature that will be a, an imaginary kind of experience that will alleviate the pain or alleviate the not good feeling. That will be a replacement for what I may be lacking. So essentially it's the whole, the whole struggle is largely coming from or being fed by, being supported by the fundamentally mistaken concept that I'm not a good person because I have the struggle. But if I will come to realize that having the struggle does not make me not a good person, and I am innately a good person, and I need to have the struggle by Hashem's design, then the whole struggle becomes less of a struggle. Because the whole struggle was powerfully supported by my feeling bad about myself, that I have struggles or that I'm not a good person. If I come to be accepting of myself, and I realize that Hashem has infinite love for me, and is giving me all kinds of good challenges, and the faster that I see through them and realize that there's nothing there, it'll give me other kinds of more sophisticated challenges, and my life will be ongoing ways of growth, then a lot of the things that were necessary previously or in a bad way will be much less necessary. I won't be feeling bad about myself. I won't think about myself that I'm not a good person if I have these uh, very powerful pulls within me of one type or another, whatever it might be. And then the male, uh, I won't need to, uh, <laughs> to try to alleviate my, my, my emotional pain but giving in to the, uh, the landishments of the Yitzhahara. So uh, it's like, um, what can we say? Self-fulfilling prophecy. The, the, the hakara of the truth itself provides the capacity to be successful. Um, I'm, uh, I wish Rafutta would have included that. Does that make sense, Raghi? Can you repeat that one again? <laughs> yes, I'm suggesting that a, a major um, sort of um, empowering element in the uh, attraction of um, various aspects of the Sahara is the fact that a person is not feeling good about himself and looking for some means of um, improving his emotional state and 
Dimyon and fantasy and attractions of the Sahara offer to help with that. Of course, they don't really work because they don't address the uh, fundamental problem. They're only um, imaginary and they aren't really successful. Anything that a person is doing in the Gashmi nature is not going to address the uh, Ruchanius lack or the emotional lack, but uh, it looks like it could. I'll feel good if I'll be a workaholic. I'll feel good if I'll give in to the Taivas uh, Rias, etc. So if a person will realize that this, that he has these powerful pulls, is not defining him as a bad person, and on the contrary, he's innately, absolutely pure, good being, <laughs> then whatever, whatever he imagines about himself is not really accurate and could be questioned and could be uh, lessened and could be alleviated, especially the presence of the struggle is not an affirmation of a bad self-concept or a shattering of a good self-concept. He won't be feeling bad about himself. He won't need to be giving in to the fantasy that's being offered by the Eitzahar. So the, the recognition that I'm so designed to be having what to struggle with is itself a major element in being successful or, in, or releasing the struggle or rising above that struggle. I don't have to run away from myself. I'm okay. It's okay to be where I am. I don't have to escape my state. My Rabbi's state is bearable. Rabbi's saying like a lot of the reason why we're fa- why we sometimes fail to begin with is because of the the lack of sense of self. Right, and the bad feeling about myself caused me to need something that I, I imagine will help me feel good. Mm-hmm. Drugs, pornography, alcohol, money, etc. <laughs> you name it. You name it. Wouldn't it be very positive for a person to know that the things he does make a difference and it could be very uplifting and have a very good sense of self knowing that what you what you do Hashem values and what you and what you fail with Hashem values and you can be taken to task what you what is what is in your control and you mess up and you're gonna be rewarded for what you do. That that in itself is a very empowering feeling about how much Hashem cares about what what you're doing. Why is that why is that necessarily automatically cause you to be focused on how terrible a person is and focusing on the failures? Why can't there be some kind of like middle ground? That using everything you're saying, but also at the same time realizing that it's okay for me, it's reasonable for me to fail. I have the Yitzhara, but at the same time, the fact that I'm being taken to task for it just shows how much I think cares about what I do something wrong. It's, that, that's an empowering feeling. Are you hearing from this that um, there's a message of like failure is okay and Hashem doesn't care about it? You seem to be not be wanting to be focusing on that at all. <laughs> oh, okay, but you know, but you're not, you're not, you're not suggesting that um, there's a message here that um, everything's fine, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, uh, go ahead, fail away. No, I'm not. <laughs> the title that. of um, of facing failure without fear doesn't doesn't mean not to be um, fearing doing something wrong. It's not to be fearing the loss of self, not to be afraid of 
my self-concept being shattered by failure. This is part of a process. Of course, we hope to be successful as much as we can. Um, and of course, Hashem is not going to ignore us. Hashem wants us to have everything good if the neshama needs some tikkun. But there's, there's a, of course, there's underlying, you know, a very significant challenge that is a very deeply ingrained misconception about, you know, what, 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 what is the Indian Midas Hadin. When you're dealing with you know, already like very strongly ingrained um, false concepts, so um, you have to be, you know, very cautious in uh, going step by step to unleash them and adjust them. You know, can can you can you convince somebody straight up, you know, head on from the very outset that Midas Hadin is Kulo Chesed, that Gehenim is Kulo Chesed? So look at Lord Safa, and you'll see it's Kulo Chesed. So, but that's not going to be easy for somebody to come to understand right away. Go ahead. Um, I came across uh, this guy that went through a near-death experience. I don't want to say his name, but this, um, he's on, uh, I, I found it on one of these, Torah uh, Anytime, one of these videos. And he was talking about his experience. Mm-hmm. And one thing that he said, which really just freaked me out and turned me off, was... And don't forget, we can't take what he says as, you know, um, absolute truth. He's not a Navi. So he's not Neman as a Navi. But go ahead. Bottom line is... Uh, talking about Gehenna and he's talking about, um, you know, this, this emptiness and this busha that he experienced and whatever. Oh and, yeah. Um, I guess my question is, um, you're, you're talking, you were just talking a couple of minutes ago about how Gehenna could be um, not necessarily viewed as a negative motivation, but as a positive, um, a positive motivator. So, how does the negative view of Gehenna fit in with that type of stuff? Okay, you know, here we go. Hi, the Chavetz Chaim said, "Medav zayin gut from unklug." I'll translate. You have to be good religious and smart. So it's okay for us to, you know, have a lot of information about the Torah, which invariably we have um, been exposed to, but we still have to be very smart to know how we will be impacted. Now, some people um, view this or relate to this as that um, we're editing the Torah. And then we're picking and choosing, you know, uh, what to focus on and what not to focus on. And uh, they relate to it as a lack of complete honesty. But I don't think about it that way. When, uh, when Shiva came to his father and said, you know, uh, I'm, I'm no good, I did this, I did that. His father asked him, tell me that feeling, does it help you learn better? It helps you learn worse. So he said, it helps me learn worse. We said, okay, so you know who's talking to you. Now, even if you wouldn't add that last component of you know who's talking to you, but it's helping you learn worse. 
So right now, it's not being productive. It's not helping you. Rashi didn't say, help me learn worse, but I'm doing tshuva. So okay, do tshuva, and then you come back to learning. It was only being negative. So what could be the toelis of utilizing it, the focusing on it? Um, are we, could we be so naive to think that we could focus on everything in the Torah all at once and it's going to be effective? No. So uh, we should not fear that we are just trying to take it easy, trying to play down the truth. We are trying to pamper ourselves. No, we should take the approach that we're trying to be smart. We're trying to get ourselves onto a road that will be a lasting one. We want to be on a road that's going to be Oivir Hashem B'Simcha. I just saw last night in the Torah Yisrael on the Mishnah of us of Lev Taiv, which Tatana said is Royani Dvarav Bichlal Dvarav Devrechem. Lev Taiv, the Torah Yisrael learns to be B'Simcha, a heart of Simcha that's happy to be native to others and he's able to learn Torah properly. He's made in Bechachma. He's Rayasan Noilad. He could be a Chavar Toiv. He could be a Shaching Toiv. Everyone is happy with him. He'll, uh, he'll be able to be Rayasan He'll have everything good. What is the Eke Yisait? He's Besimcha. So that's something that uh, is uh, very largely undervalued, to say the least. <laughs> I, uh, I couldn't help but uh, make the application. When I shared this with one of my sons, he said, you see, Breslov is right. I shared with him the story of the base Yisrael, Rebbe. He said that many years ago, there was a powerful spirit of a desire for Chachmah that came into the world. And the masculine grabbed it. In later years, there came into the world a powerful ruach of love for Eretz Yisrael, and the Zionists grabbed it. Then in our time, there came into the world a powerful inspiration, a powerful spirit of desire for tshuva, and the non-religious grabbed it. The friar grabbed it. So if there's coming into the world uh, some kind of a service for simcha, we don't have to let only the breast lovers have it. We're allowed to have some of it too. So keep in mind that, uh, <laughs> that whatever we are organizing as Avodah Hashem, it should be Besimcha, and then it'll be able to be successful. Iker is the Leif Taif, that the Avodah should be able to be Besimcha. Okay. Thank you very much, Abuisai. I wish everybody a wonderful night. And thank you for being with us. Brachavatslach on everything. And I hope that was helpful, Abi. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Have a good night, Abuisai. Shkayach. Hillel, Moishi, Yitzi, Simcha, Shalom. Simcha, of course. Yosef, for being with us. Well, so there. Oh, Shmuley, yeah, okay. Yes, Shakar, have a very good night. Call to. Yes, sir, you can stay on. Um, if, you, if, you're, if you're not happy, that's okay too.
Why you still got that happy? <laughs> Just in case, you know, you're allowed to be not happy. I think that's part of the challenge of growing in this area, is being not happy first. Yeah, part of my challenge is that when you're unhappy with what I'm saying, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So in, in all humbleness, why, why get rid why, of that and just talk straight okay fine why why wouldn't you address the issue that it's i thought the the reason why a person could feel that that um you're just making me feel good is because there's a real is a there, there is some sense that a person has of responsibility of of their actions which i would think is a true torah concept that a person takes that too far because there's lots of um ideas that you were alluding to that are are are, cr are criminal person about how much hashem wants to punish and how evil gehenim is could really make a person take the actions that he's um done wrong and focus put those two ideas together and feel like a real failure so wouldn't the best way to go about dealing with that is to re-understand the, these, these concepts that cause those feelings of all, all the concepts that, that Hashem seems to be very um, intense about punishment. I, I would think that, that that causes the failure and, and therefore the, the way Revy's saying it just feels like you're just making me feel good because you're not dealing with the problem. You're just saying that you just... Yeah, I, I to be perfectly honest, I I thought you were picking and choosing. Like I I, I would have thought to 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 go about it by saying that the the, the whole idea of where it's coming from is wrong. The the Gehenim, like to to reunderstand Gehenim and Midas Sadin, it's 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 not to understand that even when I'm failing, there's also a lot of good. That's true, but. That's not what's getting the, the what's getting the person down is the fact that how come Hashem's giving me such an intense punishment and judging me kichuta saira, and I don't even understand like what I'm doing so wrong. Like I, like why why is he getting so mad at me? Right. So, so the the essential response to this is that hagufa. We have to we have to ask ourselves how does it come about that a person has uh, incorrect understanding of Hashem. After all, there's ample basis for a person to have a good, proper understanding of Hashem. So the, the, the very phenomenon of a person having not good understanding of Hashem is not mistavra that it becomes created in its own right. Just um, you know, based on hearing about scharva English. a person could know essentially kelamunov einovel. He's not going to be punished. It's not, it's not possible that Hashem will hold him accountable more than what he's capable. And he could be basically confident that whatever task has been given is one that he's capable of achieving with Hashem's help. Of course. And there won't be an unmanageable situation. And if there's something that he doesn't understand how, he can be confident the Ebishto has it all worked out and it's okay if he doesn't understand the, the ways of Hashem completely. But essentially, of course, the basic principle, the basic starting point that Hashem created the world totally for chesed, 
that should be, you know, the most dominant factor in a person's awareness. What is the purpose of the whole creation? Hashem does not need it. Who is Hashem? What is Hashem? A perfect being. Shlemus, betachas, shlemus. So what did he make the world for? Can only be Can it be any other purpose? Everything has to flow from that and to fit with that. That's the most the fundamental, basic, most obvious principle that is quite evident in the world that's filled with chesed. So we have to ask ourselves, how does that understanding get set of course? So if we trace things back, usually we discover that it has to do with um, person's misconception of himself and association or correlation of human relationships that get projected onto Hashem that were not of a good nature. You know, if a person was um, only exposed to, you know, of course, not perfection, but um, basic, good understanding, respect, care, loving, reasonable expectations, sensitivity to his feelings, being valued in his own right, then um, there's less cause for him to uh, be projecting a... uh, harsh authoritarian figure on Hashem because he didn't experience the harsh authoritarian figure. Kovitz Chaim's son, son writes that <coughs> they had no, command, no opportunity to fulfill Moira Av because Kovitz Chaim didn't allow for any place for it. It wasn't Makhbet or anything. So Kibar Av, they were Mekhaim a little bit, but Moira Av, there just was no... There was no muckum for it. So, you know, in a case like that, it's hard for there to be a wrong concept getting developed. But um, if for Chas in the not good case scenario, a person has to earn the attention and the love of the most important people through good behavior, so then he comes to develop a concept that he has to earn his worthiness. He has to earn his love and attention. He has to earn the most basic emotional needs with his good behavior. And he can always be questioning, well, maybe my behavior is not good enough. And I haven't earned Hashem's love yet. When when, um, when we talk about the concept of Shema Garma when it comes to Bitochon, is that what, what, is what you just spoke about, is that connected to that at all? idea of not uh, help being me out for questioning when when are we no Kohn no no no, no. Yaakovinu Shemagar Machet is only uh I'll pee me this had didn't okay now can we can we understand how Yaakovinu doesn't know if he did a chait that he should say Shemagar Machet well can't he make your cheshmer nefesh and be mine all his actions the grow was able to make an accounting and found you know a couple of minutes of uh, or maybe seconds I don't know what it was of Bittle Taira could Yaakov Inu possibly not know if he did a hate or not that's something that we don't understand but if it is possible such a phenomenon of Yaakov Inu not knowing if he did a hate so then 
you could be concerned. Maybe there was a hate that I didn't realize that I could be held accountable very seriously. Another of you were quite certain that what they were doing was just just to go back for a second. So Rebbe was answering Gitsi that uh, basically if somebody has a, a like a proper sense of self, he was brought up in, in you know a proper way of not being overcritical and then Enochanami Yitzi would be right. You're you are able to have this this healthy view of responsibility and all that other stuff. But Rebbe's just saying that a lot of a lot of times that that um foundation is not there to begin with. Right. So I didn't really finish the answer, but I, I appreciate your your telling us back there. It would come out from that that the real starting point has to be with the person being able to gain uh, a, a good sense of himself and a feeling of himself and his actions and the value in his struggling in what he is struggling with, which is the truth of the Torah. If he could, if he could start with that, then he could start at the root of the, of the real problem and try to start chipping away at that. And then in Mela, will be able to see how Hashem is accepting of him. Is, is there mistama two ways you could deal with any issue? It could be it could be that there's a certain um, um, preconceived notion that's causing a person to have certain thoughts. So you could come in by uprooting the preconceived notion, or you could show them that there are other thoughts different than the thoughts that they have that come from the false preconceived notion. Meaning if, if, I, if I show you that the thoughts that a person has that come from all the bad feelings of being self-critical doesn't seem to line up with the Torah. The person's thought of being self-critical is that Hashem doesn't like him, is that Hashem does not love him, the Bria is not for chesed. Those are the thoughts that come out being self-critical. So if you show them that, look, the, the 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 Ramchal says that this is not true. So wouldn't that also be a very productive way to to it will trail back to like, hey, wait a second, but it'll it'll come back to that preconceived notion. Um yes, it definitely has a place, but um it could be often helpful for a person to know why he doesn't naturally think that way to enable them to be more receptive. That can be a hard thing to come to recognize, but if I realize that there is a pshat in why there is a reasonable explanation, it could, it could be understood of why I feel the way I feel. It doesn't mean that I'm, you know, resigned to that, but the fact that this is very strongly ingrained is has a very real cause. So then that can help me to be more sort of open to try to move away from that. Even though that was my reality, it's very hard to sort of disavow your own natural state of existence that you can only believe is like 
what it's supposed to be because that's what it was. So, I, I, I don't know. It could be just matter, it not a simple matter. But, I yeah, would have thought. It also could depend on how strong a person's intellect is. If the kayak of the seichel is very strong, then that could overpower the emotions to a greater degree. So they don't. They wouldn't need as much to be sort of got at at their core. There's not so much that can be done about the core because it is what it is. But at least yeah, but what, what is, is there? acceptance of it, not to be under the control of it, to be aware, to be self-aware of it, to be observing it. Okay, when I'm when I'm feeling those feelings, that's just my feelings. That's not absolute reality. Araya, I can observe them. So they are not me. The feelings that I'm having, Araya, I'm aware that I'm having those feelings. So the, there's, there's the person, then there's the feelings that I sense that I'm having. So... When, when you see the, the clock of the seichel being strong and you're talking about observing your feelings or your thoughts, so to me that sounds more like, um, you know, self-awareness or, or being able to, you know, have a, a sense of, again, meditation. That's kind of the, the avoda of being able to, you know, become more aware of your feelings and your thoughts and to not self-identify with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but what does that have to do with the koch ha-seichel? When you, you don't mean koch ha-seichel of like IQ or any... Well, Yitzhi is asking why, why can't it be enough for a person to learn from the very good, clear Torah sources the real truth of his definition and how Hashem looks at him, which is the absolute truth, of course, and what the purpose of his creation is, and all the Torah that is contained in the Bria Hashem for the person. And that itself should be sufficient uh, to help a person to come to the truth. <laughs> and I'm suggesting that that could be contingent on the degree of a person's capacity to be misbeining and be makir something as true. And the stronger is his koach of thinking and his boininess. And that kara of emes is the stronger that true information will be able to relate to him. If everything is foggy and fuzzy and he doesn't have the skill of thinking, doesn't have the sense of knowing truth from falsehood, if he's, if he's very conditioned in things being very cloudy and undefined and not thought about and not focused on and not identified as true or not true, then this whole uh, uh, koach is, is very, very weak. It's hard for some people to imagine such a thing and uh, that's essentially good, but it is to be aware that there is such a thing in the human experience, that the brain is mush. It does, but it seems, it still seems strange <laughs> to me that, that like, if, if a person has different, pers- if you're trying to, trying to educate someone about a new perspective that they've been so ingrained to not like that through such a regulus of a certain amount of years, 
I would think that the best way to go about it is to, to, to like, uh, like to you, you grant what they say, and 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 try to say it a little differently, not to come in and like explode their their whole whole where they're coming from. Because I, I then I feel it's a, it's a lot more rejecting. You're 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 rocking my ship. I'm not listening to you. Uh, if if you if you hear what I, I I thought there's plenty of Chazal that said the way you're supposed to speak to the Sahara is to is to is to, to to grant what he's saying, but still even in your world, you, you still it's still it's still not true. Yeah, a lot of times we need um, a a kind of receptivity that comes from a not good life situation. What? If if, if the situ if your life situation is um, very difficult, that sometimes empowers um, the greater receptivity to trying to discover why and what that's all about and how it could be improved. If somebody feels like, okay, things are okay, uh, it could be a little better, but nothing terrible. So, okay, you want to tell me some nice ideas? Okay, yeah, yeah, nish, nish. Not, not like in need of it. Need to be, you know, some maya for the chachma. Either out of love chachma or out of the need for some major help. Well, if, they're, if they're not in need for it, so probably no matter what you tell them, it's not going to work. If you tell them right. that your whole emotion of your whole self. If somebody, is, somebody is in need, then there's a hope that they could be receptive to chap, what's going on. Rebbe, do they say that necessity is the mother of invention? This is not about invention, but... Uh, I know, I know. Some, the some quote is not perfect because it wasn't Chazal. But yeah. necessity providing incredible power. Yeah. Invention's not the word, I agree. Yeah, but again, we don't want it to be like... Right, necessity, right, can empower... We'll make it necessity is the mother of... And you could choose the word. Receptivity. Okay, so necessity is the mother receptivity. That's good. Yeah. If Rebbe could, could do a little add to Rev Hutner, I could add to whoever said that. I don't know who said that. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Okay. But basically, we're, the, the, the other approach that Rebbe is saying is, is being able to, to realize that whatever challenge you are you are having at hand is is a good thing and and every possible um i guess standing up against it and being able to overcome every little step is something very powerful that's right exactly it's all Hashem's design for us and <laughs>